When we finally got down to something which the individual says he really wants to do, I will say to him, you do that and uh, forget the money. All things are metaphors. That's what we all are. Life is about teaching and learning. A tradition followed generation after generation. The best lessons are learned by a fireside or over a warm cup of coffee. The U.S. is a melting pot of nations, where someone whose family came a generation ago now leads someone new through the transition. So I think um, we started doing this coffee to chat about things. I don't know. I don't even know why. But uh, we started doing it, and it clicked. And we were talking about. We, I, I think, we realized that there are many topics that interest us both, uh, which are way beyond medicine. Topics about right. success, uh, how to solve the problems of life, why people make mistakes, why people make choices. That we, philosophy, mythology, psychology, history. Right. Uh, we have read similar Greek authors. And things like that. We read the epic of Gilgamesh together. I mean, yeah. So, so that was the primary purpose that we were talking about uh, ideas that were um, dear to us, that were yeah. felt important. important. And um, and I felt I was learning a lot, and uh, I hope you felt you were teaching me oh. a lot. No, and that, I feel uh, it was like a mentoring relationship outside of medicine, about life in general, not just movement disorders. No, I enjoy these very much, not just enjoy them, but I find them very valuable. I learn a lot, if only to clarify my own thinking, but you actually are wise beyond your years and you understand a great deal and you come from some different traditions than I come from. We're alike in many ways, we just, you know, my father came across, was prejudiced against, and fought uphill battles, and uh, into a country that claims to be the melting pot, but is very, parts of it are very resistant to change, like all human beings are, but in the end result of sharing ideas, and our heartfelt uh, aspirations, and being honest, that's what this world needs. That's what this country needs. And no, this is, I think, what we should be doing, what I should be doing. So I think uh, what I was thinking was that this primary purpose was so important that we have so far uh, protected it. We have kept people out of it. We thought about inviting people, but we never took it seriously because unconsciously or subconsciously we wanted the conversation to keep flowing right. without getting uh, damaged by someone uh, unusual um, who may uh, so not something doesn't get spoiled right. it's, it's like finding a pristine lake in your backyard and not telling anyone I'm about telling it anyone. so <laughs> let's not muddy the waters here i think the same same should hold true you know we started recording it just because i wanted to keep the memoir right. um, and I think uh, I'm 
making a podcast out of it in preparation to making an audio book out of it, maybe eventually a paper book, because I think uh, many of these ideas that you share are, are worth reading about by a lot of people, and there might be some other people interested in the same topics. Right. Uh, but at the same time, that should not make us forget the primary goal. Right. So we get, so that was one of the reasons that I don't want too much technology to come in. If we get a sound room, we go there, yeah. and then the whole flow is gone. Now we are sitting in this dark digi room, all hunched up in front of the microphones, worried about is it recording, not recording, and is it flowing, and, Boy, and then the conversation true. just <laughs> dies out. I know. No, we lose the, the point we're doing this for. I agree. And so you can think, my mind just races, you can imagine. Okay, the name of the book is East meets West, <laughs> or you know, you know, conversations between you know. There's a very funny yeah. uh, Indian movie by that name. Yeah, it's about uh, second uh, first uh, first generation Brits who were born to Indian parents who immigrated to England. Uh huh. So they're trying to blend in. They have such a strong upbringing within traditional Indian culture, although right. they were living in England. And at the same time, they are meeting all these friends uh, and neighbors who are Brits, and it's kind of a clash. So yes. that's a that's, that's well, a very, I, very nice movie to watch, actually. Well, and he, he the people eats, that I've says. seen in India, from India in Britain, you know, they have a wide circle of friends. They are sometimes very highly educated. They're struggling with the changes like in their country, in India, or in nearby countries, it's the same. Three or more generations may live in one home. That when somebody, let's say there's a widow in the family, well they just live with everybody else and they are a good source of wisdom for the children you know, when the children's being scolded, the, the widow, the grandmother might say, let me tell you what your father was like when he was your age, you know? <laughs> and then you see, the, the child sees the whole flow and the, the big picture, but they tend to be like <clears throat> running little tea shops or they're tobacconists or they just have a place where you can buy all the, you know, the newspapers or whatever they find a way to make a living uh, and just like we all do. And nowadays it's getting less so because people are not so much into discussion groups, they're into their own phones, they're into the virtual reality of the games and it's not a real communication if it's not face to face, I don't think because then you get all the nuances, you get the gestures and all the things that movement disorder specialists notice. How much are they paying attention? Are they not giving you eye contact anymore? Are they getting distracted? You know, all those things that you can't get over the phone or certainly, you know, on a device. But back to the main point, there's also an America, or I don't know where it comes from. You're talking about the details. You can focus too much on the details. There's a, 
saying the devil is in the details. <laughs> you know, Satan, the mastermind of following things up, if you get too much into the details and not the main point, you know, if you overanalyze something, you ruin it. Um, you know, just plant the tree, let the tree get the sun, get the rain, let it adapt, you know, stay out of the way. Don't poison it, don't over trim it, don't do too much to it, just let it be a tree. And um, we, we tend to wreck things. Um, I heard something yesterday that was stunning. If all the insects in the world, the class of insects, or whatever they call it, the genus or the class, when you look at forms of life, is one of the largest ones in our planet. If they all disappeared, all life as we know it would be gone in 60 years, mm. they figured. Because they pollinate the flowers, that without them there would be no, you know, no nutrients in the soil mm. because they work the soil and the worms and you know all the, uh, the worms are probably a separate, I don't know. But however, if mankind were eliminated, the whole world would flourish <laughs> in 60 years. It would be better than it is today. It would be more natural. There'd be less damming of rivers and the fish could go upstream and breed and go to the sea and all those things. So yeah, you can screw it up and the devil is in the details and we think we're helping the world and we're antibiotics, chemicals, village life, family life is where it is. So I take back what I said about getting a studio and making this even better. So if you... I think we should have a studio in our, de in our department, uh, a recording room, a media room. I'm actually thinking about applying for um, a fellowship grant with uh, American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. I say go for it. That's a great idea. It's something that is very much needed. We educate people without knowing what the goal is. We don't measure progress. We just kind of figure we know how to do it because we're liked by the students or Another thing I would ask you to consider very carefully, the more of the education you do, the less time you're going to have for publications, unless you find someone in the institution. This grant should contain some connection to educational research because like if we take really good care of patients and we're doing a review of nutritional deficiencies as we do it, we can find what percentage of 
non-PD patients have deficiencies in vitamin B12 and so on. And then we can do the same thing with the blood that's tested with people being de-identified for the non-PD patients. We can look at the patients that we suspect might have because of weight loss or something. But the amount of information we could do if we had a little help in education would be very valuable and very applicable, scalable, as you say, for other institutions. I think if we're going to be examining and looking at our healthcare system, we're going to have to come up with something in the next 10 years that's going to be affordable but really good. This is the kind of thing we got to do. And training other people to recognize the most important and the most common neurological problems, the people in family practice, the people in medicine, for example, or other specialties, heck, if we can show them what neurologists can do, can give them a hint, can go out to the small towns in this state and other states, that's huge. Once you get, so go for it, but I would ask you to put in a piece so that this is educational research. And for our symposium of 600 people, if we get these people started now, get some education experts, say, okay, we want to talk about not the next, or the, the senior or the middle career or the young up and coming doctors, but we want to educate the patients and see what we can tell about those. And then we might find the people that didn't go to the symposium and follow them and see if the number of times they go to emergency departments, the number of times they need to be hospitalized is different. I mean, if you do it right, you can be promoted, not that that's the most important thing, but if you are not promoted, you're in trouble. If you are promoted, then you have a team of people that you can, it gets easy once you get started. You have, it's like uh, they'll do their own thing and they'll be able to help you make your reports and your studies and your, ultimately the kind of teaching that you do better. And I think in an academic institution, if you're not taking advantage of that, even though it's hard to get started, it's a mistake. You know, there are people who are interested in doing this and are looking for projects like this. Go for it. I think you got, you got a good chance. Have you had any recent ideas that you put on your back burner or I get them all the time well and I need to write them down but I think the podcast idea is a great one I would like to see a video thing eventually but I don't want to go there now for you know, the fellows for, yeah for the fellows mm -hmm. yes I mean look for what you're going to be doing with this blended learning thing you know, if they go to lectures that we can provide them, 
heck, we can do 20, 30 minute lectures easy. You let us know what you want us to talk about, to what end, we can do pre-test, post-test, whatever you want to do. So you can record us for 40 minutes, you can pare it down to 20 minutes, or whatever you want, 30 minutes. I'd like to be part of that. And the fellows would be really good. Look at what Becky just did. I think you will look back in your career when you're my age or not even that old and say, I'm glad I did this. Look at what I learned. Look at what we built. Look at what we're doing, cooperation between the countries. You know, the United States has learned <clears throat> how to do what you guys do. <clears throat> you know, this chronic care organization. <clears throat> you want to take care of diabetes and hypertension. Do it. Do it at the grassroots level. Get these people controlled. That's cheap. That's volunteers. That's getting the data. That's, we know, controlling hypertension and glucose levels is what we need to do. I mean, the problem with people in small villages is they get worse when they become more like the United States. They get fatter, they eat more sugar, they don't exercise as much. You, you know what I mean? So I think prevention is what we really need to do. Um, problem is, we have to say no to something. Yeah, we have to say no to a lot. <coughs> I've um, I've been thinking about this challenge over the last few weeks of you know most when you are listening to something because you want to gain something from it when you have this conscious awareness that every moment every interaction you have you want to get something out of it something that's worthwhile to you and the it's it becomes hard to then pick what you want to listen to right the problem is that there is this weakness that we have that just because it's written in a book that it's reliable or it's mm -hmm. it's important or it's right or just because or these days just because there is a YouTube video of it or just because somebody said so on the podcast that A, is it, that, is it right? We just presume it is. Right. B, does it even make sense? Is it logical? C, right. is it even worthwhile or important? Because everybody's trying to sell right. something. That everybody's trying to sell what's important and then even what popular beliefs are may not be true, you know, if an author is believed to be really good, he may actually may not be. He has just fooled enough people to become popular. <laughs> right. That's a challenge I've been having since my visit to Boston because um, I was with Akio, my friend, and um, that's a good thing about our friendship. We challenge each other's notions and beliefs. So I was showing him some 
things I liked on YouTube and all that. And then, you know, he started challenging me. Um, not only that he doesn't agree with what they're saying, but he challenged something more basic, more core, was that why are you believing him just because he's on a TED stage and standing there and saying something? And now what he says is prophecy or is the word of God and you know, you're just going to take it and then I mean look at all these TEDx events they're everywhere you know they can be right. one in Omaha and you get invited you say something and now all of a sudden what you said is important and before going on to a TEDx stage what you said was not important and how do we how are we picking our sources how are we picking our heroes that we are trying to model ourselves against and in this day and age a lot of hero is being created by media, by government, by agencies for a certain propaganda, for a certain notion. Uh, people are, uh, how you say, you know, in the Greek kingdom, in the Greek world, when an emperor used to die, they used to make a god out of him. Mm -hmm. And that phenomena is, is being relived in this culture in some ways. And you don't even have to die. You just did something enough to be selected by the people who can promote you on media or social media and make a god out of you or make a somewhat important person out of you when you have no content, when you have nothing of... So, so how do you select the, who you want to listen to? How do you select... You can't have a bullshit filter all the time and how thick of a filter do you need? I mean, I it's like. It's, you will be bombarded all the time by all these useless scenarios and noises. So how do you select the right people? How do you select how, who to listen to? That's really hard. It was always hard, and it's harder now. Yeah. It's harder now because if you, if you ask enough people, they will tell you who they think that is really, really good person. And you, it may be a rapper, it may be somebody who is uh, really an idiot, but everybody likes them. Uh, you know, especially these days, the millennials, I don't know if you're a millennial, but us older people say, this world's going to hell in a handbasket <clears throat> because we don't know who the real authorities are. It used yeah. to be that you could rely on an institution, let's say somebody who was a professor or somebody, you know, but now there are people, professors of what? Modern culture or of, you know, there's probably professors of rap music. No, they're, okay, it's a great thing, rap music, but you know, these people are not role models. So to me, if you can select what comes into your brain, what you're exposed to, would that be a good thing? I think you have to, if you make a pie chart, I like looking at things on paper and sketching them out. Probably the majority of the things that we should spend our time on are liable to be more authoritative, like books, people that are scholars, people that have achieved, um, I don't know, advanced degrees at good institutions, and you read what they write, they're authoritative, and you check their sources, and they're correct, 
But you know, you can find two such people that are opposites and they argue against each other. You know, orthostatic tremor is all a phobia. There's nothing real about it. These are just people with phobias. And then there are other people that say, no, no, this is different. It's a, uh, and who knows? But then there's a portion of what you're gonna expose yourself to that has to be another source. You have to look at YouTube. You have to look at what's trending. But I think conversations like this and thoughtfulness gives you an idea that, well, like we were told in medical school, you guys have now graduated, uh, but we have something to tell you. Half of what we taught you was wrong. You know, in five years, it'll be proven to be wrong, or 10 or 15 years, but we don't know which half. <laughs> you figure it out. So you say half, you know, that's just, you know, but it may be even worse. So you say, well, then I've got to be objective. I've got to find what I tell people, they want the answer. Do you have Parkinson's disease? Do you have orthostatic tremor? What the heck is this I got, Doc? You know, I just say, here's what I think it is, if you really push me, but here's the certainty that I have. You want certainty, you gotta donate your brain to science, but you're still using it, so what are we gonna do until then? Um, it is a hard thing. What news sources are you gonna listen to? There's bias there. The problem that we have, I think, in the world, and especially in this country, is people don't listen to authorities on the other side of a question. The Republicans don't listen to the Democrats or they don't vice versa. And so you have to listen to both sides and you have to have a discussion like this and you, know, you treat the other guy with respect, okay, maybe they're misinformed, but some of them are crooks, some of them are shysters, some of the people are liars and they want to get away with it. Some of them are, I don't know, murderers, uh, done evil things, but you know, we've all done evil things. Finding the truth, I don't know, that's the tough thing. I think you have to be, try to find somebody that you can believe in, but to what extent can you believe them? I think that's, look at what Diego is teaching. I think he's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met. He's really shrewd. I believe what Diego says. But he's basing things on authorities that he's trusted. And you know, we'll find out that maybe the best treatment for dystonic tremors is gonna be different. Maybe Botox is largely a placebo thing, or in some people, or. How do you identify the different subtypes? You know, we have to learn that. We have to be humble enough, but we have to do something and we do the best we can without hurting people. But I think you have to stay open-minded and I think you have to look at both sides of almost everything. I don't have a shortcut. I'm hoping you would have one. Are you celebrating Mother's Day at your place? No, nothing special. I don't know about you, but I owe so much to my mother. I mean, I owe a lot to my father. They're both gone. Um, 
But I think it's worthwhile to just be thankful. I think we're both very fortunate in having been raised by two loving parents. Not everybody has that. And it's good to, not just one day a year, to be appreciative. Yeah, but why for days? Because if you don't have a day, you may never appreciate something. Well, let's be honest. Somebody said, uh, we produce greeting cards. Let's make up a holiday. Right, exactly. Let's make it Father's yeah. Day. And I, I hate this day culture yeah. in the US. I it's know. just ridiculous. Somebody somewhere just keep making up these days. I know, I know. You know, like wear your favorite t-shirt day was the other day. You know, funny. And people have these strange looking t-shirts it, on. It is, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You don't do it just one day a year. What's special about today? Somebody made it up, let's be honest. I remember as a child, I must have been, oh, maybe about uh, Alyssa's age. What is she now, seven? She's the nine. Nine, wow. I remember I was probably a little younger than her then. And uh, I remember my dad was coming home for, his work was, our home was on the driving range of a golf course. It was really, a, if you tell people this, they don't believe it. But golf balls kept flying into our yard all day long when we were playing. I'm, I'm lucky I don't have concussions. You guys are never worried you're gonna get hit by a golf ball? Oh, we just learned to live in, in, you know, we just, you know, we just let it be, whatever. I mean, we're gonna play in the yard, right? I was more in trouble because my brother would sneak up behind me while I was sleeping in the hammock or doing something and throw cold water on me or something, or turn the hose on me or, you know, those kind of things. Uh, that's more immediate. But anyway, I remember my dad going into the house and it was Mother's Day or Father's Day coming up and I said, why isn't there a children's day? Why don't we have a day? And he was busy and I don't know, he was worried about things like he commonly was. And he just looked at me and he said, every day is children's day. <laughs> and then he went into the house, you know, and I got thinking, what a curmudgeon that you're, you know, what a, you know, but then I think, well, yeah, if you're a, yeah, you're, every day is children's day. And why do you need another day? We need holidays probably because we hate our work. <laughs> we need a time off of work because we just uh -huh. forced to being there. Uh -huh. And the only way we survive 11 months is because we know we can get one month off. Yeah, yeah. If you really love your work like you do, mm -hmm. you will be at your work even on your day off. Well, you're talking about do you want to do this grant? And, you know, I think you have to follow your heart, follow your desires, follow your passions. Because if you have such a job, the pay isn't important. I mean, it's important because you gotta live and put food on the table and educate and take care of your family and all that. But I don't mind working a little bit extra, but I, I need time to think and be and the other things. Um, yeah, I think we do need time off. We do need to think and go to the hills and meditate. I'm going to also take a, a break here and maybe I can get some more coffee.